Matthew's Gospel, chapter 6, parallel that passage with Luke's Gospel, chapter 11. The disciples asked Jesus, teach us how to pray. We hear that John the Baptist is teaching his people how to pray. Teach us, Lord, how to pray. And in a quick review, we talked about two things personally that I appreciate about that question. Number one is that there is a question. I see two challenges in the church world that are being played out even in this time, and yet the disciples did not fall into that gap that a lot of Christians do. What is that what is that fallacy? What is that pattern that can fall to any Christian if we're not careful? Number one is they didn't depend just purely on Jesus to pray. In the church world, in my opinion, a lot of times we just depend on someone who's in full uh, five-fold ministry or someone who's anointed or someone who's prayed for us before. I don't need to know how to pray. I got somebody who knows how to pray on my team. And that's a dangerous place to be. The disciples didn't say, hey, we'll let Jesus do all, do all the praying. We're just going to hang out with the one who knows. Praise God, you should hang out and be careful who you choose to hang out with because the Bible tells us, you know what I mean, that, that the wrong company corrupts good morals, Proverbs says. You know what I mean, birds of a feather do flock together. And so it's important to hang around the right people. Can I get an amen? amen. Can I get a better amen? amen? But don't let someone who's better in the group decide for you the level of what you can grow. And they, were, they could look to Jesus and say, he is the Messiah. He's the Son of God. He gets every prayer answered. We don't need to know how to pray. We'll just trust on him to do all the praying. Jesus, you're not only going to teach us, but you're going to be the one praying for us. Amen. Amen. A typical thing for the church world is we don't want to know how to pray. We'll let somebody else pray. Israel didn't want to know God. They said to Moses, you go. You tell us what you hear. We don't want to be there. And yet they miss out on something that the disciples were so hungry, saying, wait a minute, there's a place for me in this flow. Say, there's a place for me. Look to your neighbor and say, there's a place for you too. Religion will try to push you out of the place that God has for you, but the presence of God and the Word of God will bring you into the place that God has for you. Are you listening to me? I define re religion as man's rules that get to God. It's someone at the top controlling a lot of people at the bottom so they feel important about themselves at the end of the day. They want people to kiss the ring on their hand. They want people to show them accolades. And that's what the Pharisees and Sadducees did. Jesus said, beware of those type of people that pray loud prayers in public just to get the attention that they're super spiritual. Listen, if you've got to tell people you're super spiritual, let me help you out. You're super carnal. You're not spiritual. People that are spiritual don't need to tell people they're spiritual. They don't, they don't want the attention of man to try to validate something they already have. If you're loved by your spouse, you don't need to go tell people that you're loved by your spouse. If you're really that brilliant, you don't need to tell people you're that brilliant. You already know. Are you with me? If you're anointed, you don't need to tell it and put it on your business card how anointed you are. You already know. People will see it by what you do and the life you live, but you don't need to tell it. Are you listening to me? But religion wants people to give them the accolades to be worshipped, but there's only one that can be worshipped and handle it correctly, and that's God. Are you listening to me? Man was not designed to be worshipped. The angels are not designed to be worshipped. The devil wanted to be worshipped and see what it cost him. People are not designed to be worshipped even though there's something in us. Why? Because the flow of worship should go to him and not to us. Amen. Quit trying to put yourself in the seat of worship so that you feel good about your insecure self. Because you will stop up the blessing that God has for you because worship goes to him. So the religious is the people at the top trying to control everybody so they feel good about themselves. I'm not into religion. I'm into a real relationship with Jesus Christ. It, I'm not here to control your life. I'm not here to make decisions for you. Should I go on vacation? That's up to you. Don't ask me. Ask Jesus if you have a question about it. Come on, somebody. We don't need man controlling us. We need to be led by the Spirit of God. Those who are the sons of God are led by the Spirit of God. 
If you need someone calling you, asking you what movies you've been watching, listen, let me help you out. Have you been committing adultery? You'll lie. Lying is a lot less sin than committing adultery. What have you been watching on TV lately? Nothing. <laughs> Praise God for friendship and accountability partners and iron sharpeneth iron. But at the end of the day, if you don't have the Holy Ghost, he's the one. You can't lie to the Holy Ghost. Right. Amen. So the disciples were not settled and comfortable with the idea that they have somebody on their team that can pray. And we all need people on our team that can pray. But they were like, wait a minute, there's a place for me in this rhythm. Religion will try to push you out of the place. God brings you into your place. Religion will say just a few of us can do it. God said anybody who's willing to believe can do it. Religion said, oh, you got to have a title to be here. God says, listen, you are a child of God. Step on into that. Religion will say, no, you can't see this. God says, I'll put you in the cleft of the rock, a place I've prepared for you. And I'm about to show you something that eye has not seen. Ear, come on, somebody. Ear has not heard, neither has entered the heart of man. The things that God has prepared for those who love in the Bible says, but he has revealed them to us by his spirit. Religion says, you can't come in. God says, anybody is welcome. Through the doorway of my son, Jesus. It's all about Jesus. So the disciples asked him, teach us how to pray. There is a place here for us. We don't have to be, we don't have to stay in elementary school in the kingdom. Amen. We can grow so we can learn how to pray. The second challenge I see that happens in church world is people think, oh, I don't need to know how to pray. They're very fact that Jesus didn't correct them and say, guys, come on, I got this. And Jesus didn't also flip it on the other side, guys, you know, well, come on. If I'm not going to pray for you, you're going to pray for yourself. Just cry a little bit. Make it loud. Just feel it. And that should be good enough. No. The very fact that he answered the question shows you that there's a way to learn how to pray more effectively. James talks about the effective prayer of a righteous man produces much change. So there's a way to pray better, to be more effective. Jesus didn't say, well, just feel it emotionally. And that's what a lot of people, they're gonna, if they're going to pray in the church world, not everybody, not you. I'm just talking to the choir. We have other people watching, watching on TV. But if people typically say, oh, I don't need to know. I'll just really feel it. And if I really feel it, then I know it's got power. Maybe not. It might just have emotion. Because I know you've never done that, but I know some of us, we've grown up in the things of God, and we've had times in our life that we prayed with a lot of energy and tears, and praise God for the emotion, but we didn't see much change because we thought that if we just felt it, it would carry power. And it can carry power if you feel it, but, that, but the emotion is not the indication of power. Teach us how to pray. Say, teach us how to pray. Now, like I said uh, in this verse, verse 9, after this manner, Jesus responds, after this manner, the word manner there means after this pattern, Jesus is not telling us to recite the prayer every time you are trying to pray. Although some people will teach that. You'll see movies and they say in the airplane, I'm sorry, prepare for landing. We are, we're going to make a crash landing into the water. And everybody starts putting their head between their knees. I just wonder, I always ask, why do you do that, right? If, you're, if the plane's going down, it's going to hit water, buckle up. Why? You're going to get hit. You know what I mean? If it's going to blow up, who cares where your head's at, where your knees are at, or what's buckled? Makes you want to just take off the seatbelt and go run in the aisles. Some of the things we do in life, I just always wonder. You never ask questions? In school, 
we got a problem. Everybody, under your desk. Like, that's going to do anything. Grew up doing the craziest drills in school. Public school. Help us, Jesus. And nothing against public school. Some are like, public schools are just as good as private. Well, good for them. I'm not, I don't know what, I'm just telling you from my own experience. But God's not asking them to recite the prayer. Back to my, I've seen in the movies, you know, planes going down. What does everybody start doing? Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be that. They just start reciting the prayer. You're about to lose your job. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. And they think there's something in the reciting of the prayer. It's not in the reciting of the prayer. It's like the ingredients of a great recipe. Here's some elements, not only for a powerful prayer, here's some elements for a powerful prayer life. Because some of us, all we think about prayer is asking God for stuff. And you'll hear somebody say, man, I just spent an hour of prayer or two hours of prayer. And you're thinking, man, I'm glad I'm not them. I don't have that many problems. Prayer is just more than just asking God for stuff. Can I get an amen? amen? So after this manner, after this pattern, pray, Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. We've talked about entering in. Start not with request. Start with worship. Amen. Worship. Hallowed be thy name. We enter that place of worship. The psalmist says, The name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous run into it and are safe. So I want to know, a literal translation says the name of Yahweh is a tower of strength, and the righteous run into it. I want to know how do I run into it? How do I get into that? How do I get into the name? Well, the name is just not a name. The name represents the characteristic of God. He gave different names. And for me to run into it, I have to understand what that name means. And so in the Old Testament, you have these names, Jehovah Jireh, the God who has made provision before you knew there was a need. So when you run into a problem of a need, don't begin to cry. Back up and say, Lord, before I knew there was a need, you knew there would be a need. You're Jehovah Jireh, not only the God who provides, but the God who sees everything. And you backed up and through what you did on the cross of Calvary has made provision. So my question to you today, God, is not if you see the need. The question is, where is the provision to that specific need before? Before I got there, you knew it was there. And he made provision before you were born. Jehovah Rapha, Jehovah Shalom, Jehovah Shalom. There's all these different names. God wants his people to know who he is. And he expressed it would do miracles and do works and say, now I want you to know this characteristic of me. Because I just don't want you to know it because you've said you've been there. I want you to know it so you can come back. John 10, Jesus talked about being the doorway, and anybody who comes through that doorway will get saved. And then he goes on to say, really interesting phrase, and they will go in and out. They used to bother me. What do you mean go in and out? Yeah. Does that mean get saved on Sunday and, and live in sin on Friday and get back and repent on Sunday and go clubbing on Friday and get back uh, right with God on Sunday and commit adultery on Saturday and go back on That's not the in and out he's talking about. It's the invitation that's always there through Jesus, through the Word of God, where you can keep coming back in and finding a place of rest in all that you might need. Amen. Come on, somebody. Sometimes we're waiting on God and God's waiting on us. And it's a place of worship. Enter His gates with thanksgiving, His courts with praise. Be thankful unto him and bless his name. We begin to bless that holy name. 
Bless that name. How do we bless? We begin to worship. Don't, you, one of the things in your own walk with God, in your own prayer life, I encourage you. Yeah, but I need. I know you need. But let's put the need to the side for a second, and let's get these priorities straight. We're going to begin to magnify who he is. You Walk the halls of your house. Drive down the road. Whatever it is. Get in your car. Well, I'm at work. Then go say, I need to break. Go sit in your car. Well, they don't let us take breaks. Are you kidding? They let people take smoke breaks, don't they? Just say, I need a smoke break. I'm really getting the fire, but I'm going to. Oh, I didn't know they've been smoking. <laughs> you get in your car, you begin to just worship him. Father, I worship you that you are my healer. You spend five or ten minutes giving him praise and honoring him for being your healer. Things are going to change. Why? Because he inhabits the praises of his people. He inhabits your praise. That means he shows up in the presence of your praise. I don't feel God. Well, maybe you haven't been praising enough. He inhabits the praises of his people. Say, he, say, say with me. Say, he shows up when I begin to worship him. That's just not for what he's done or what he can do, but for who he is. Before he demonstrates healing in your body while you still have pain. Before you see the provider and your checkbook still looks bad. Before you feel his protection and you hear them outside screaming. Before you notice it in this dimension, you back up and say, before I see anything, I'm going to begin to worship you for your everything. Amen. And I worship you. Yes. His names identify his nature, his character, his essence. And we are invited in through worship. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. To me, the way I, I read this is more than just saying, well, if it happens, it must be his will. No, it's bringing the will of God into alignment of the earth. Bringing God's will and making the earth come into alignment with it. And saying, this is what I'm dealing with, but this is what's in heaven. Thy kingdom come. That's the rule, the will, how God does stuff. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in my life today, in my day. How? As it is in heaven. Just use your imagination. How is it in heaven right now? If there's no sickness in heaven, then you can have a right to stand up against sickness on the earth. If there's no poverty in heaven, then you have a right to make a demand and stand and say, Father God, there is no poverty there. Therefore, I don't have to embrace. See, the problem with a lot of us in our walk is not that we don't deal with challenges. Let me help you. Everybody will deal with challenges in life. It's not that there's, the devil says, ooh, look at that person. They're so anointed. Let's leave them alone. No. The thieves come to steal, kill, and destroy. But Jesus said, I've come that you might have life and life more abundantly. And so the reality is a lot of times we, what we do if we're not careful is we accommodate and embrace this, the storms in our life. We drop anchor just so that we don't have to go deeper in the storm and we'll try to survive and stay comfortable in the storm. And God doesn't want you to accommodate the storm. He wants you to conquer the storm. When the disciples were freaking out at the storm, what do they do? They begin to cry to Jesus, don't you care? Why? Because they were looking and stressing out within the context of the storm. And just this past week while I was doing that Bible study, came, the Lord dropped in my heart. They were overwhelmed by the storm because they were dealing with the lesser instead of fixing the greater problem. 
Because when they woke up Jesus, he didn't look at them and say, guys, you're right. I'm glad you woke me up. That's a great plan. Here, let's row faster. Peter, you get a couple guys, you all start rowing fast. Let's see if we can get ahead of this. John, you grab a couple guys, you start bailing water. Let's see if we can get rid of the water. So if I get a good system going on, I can get some people bailing, some people rowing. We just might make it out of this. But Jesus didn't get overwhelmed with the immediate lesser problem. He stood up. The Bible says he stood up. You don't stand up in a boat that's about to sink. You don't stand up in a boat that's, that is rocking because of the storm. But unless you're here to bring things in order. Unless you're about to bring some things in order. Come on, now let me talk to the moms. Moms will understand this. You might be sitting in your chair comfortable, but let your kids get out of order. Come on, somebody. Now, some, you know, it, the, the world's changed. You know, back in the day, anybody could smack your kids around. Some of you know what I'm talking about. Even in church. And instead of the parents saying, don't touch my kids, they'll be like, thank you. All taking turns, smacking the kid around for talking in church. Some people be like, come on, settle down, settle down. Let the mom step in. Come on. That mom might only be four foot two. We had, true story, we had, it, it, he might be here, and I, I won't draw attention to him. But years ago, when I was a teenager at Hope Church, my, my parents pastored Hope Church for 38 years. And when I was a teenager, one of the associates, uh, his son, he was just a big kid. At 12 years old, he was six foot and 200 plus pounds. And one day he did something. I don't know what he did, but it was something. And the reason I know it was something because what his mom was doing to him. And she was going to take him outside, we'll just say for a little conversation. And I remember this day. She wasn't as tall as him. She wasn't as big as him, but she got a hold of his ear. And I was standing in the, and she was walking him outside. And I remember this day, he was bent over because she was, and she was dragging that ear. And he was like, please, mama, no, mama, please, mama, no, mama, please, mama, no, mama. She was getting ready to straighten him out. Are you listening to me today? Some of us, we've been acting like we're the kids and not the parent. But a parent knows how to step into the role of enough's enough. How many people know what I'm talking about? A parent knows how to step it up, you can say. It, it's about a look. It's about a tone. I, my dad had a look. I didn't even have to know he was in the room. If I was doing something wrong, I'd feel it. I would find him. He'd give me that look. I knew I was in trouble. I saw enough of those whippings that he gave Sean and David that I knew... That if I didn't straighten up, I was going to... He had that look. Parents know how to step it up. How many parents in the house know what I'm talking about? Why? Because they understand authority. Now, wait a minute. You might be taller. You might, you might be bigger, but I'm your mom. And I'm going to bring some order to this house. Come on, moms. 
Don't leave me hanging here. Don't act like you don't know what I'm talking about. A mom knows how to bring order when things get out of order to their children and not even to only their children, to their friends come, that come up. You don't talk that way in my house. We do it in my, the, the, you're not at your house. At my house, we don't do that. And if you don't like it, get stepping. Come on, moms. See, what happens in the church world is we start acting like we're the kids that don't have authority instead of the parent. God has given you all authority in the name of Jesus, Matthew 18, 18. You have a right to bring alignment into your world, not somebody else's world, but we're talking about your house. As far as me and my house, we will what? We're going to serve the Lord. You got to get a hold of that demon, grab its little ear, and say, uh-uh. You got to step it up sometimes and tell your body, you have to get in alignment you got to step up in that position of seat of authority and start making a demand where only you can demand it Matthew 18 18 for what you bind will be bound and what you loose will be loosed are you listening to me today instead of just saying well if it's your will no he's giving you authority bring things into alignment and if there's things out of you that needs to be realigned that's your time of prayer say God like David did search me God search me like a book and if there's any Anything displeasing to you, remove it. I want an alignment because when you are in, are you listening to me today? When you are in the alignment of heaven, you can bring heaven into your earth. It might not be in a millisecond. It might not be in a moment. But you understand something. Like a centurion soldier, I am a man under authority and over authority. And when I speak it, what, is this, what does a soldier speak? He speaks what has come down from the highest rank. Are you listening to me? They find out what the top general is saying. And they say, that's the command. That's what we do. And they release it to those who are. Help us, Jesus. They receive the message from authority, and they release it into what they have responsibility over. See, people get all messed up. They start operating in authority, and they start thinking they can tell other people in other places what to do. Oh, I'm anointed. You need to do what I say, or God's going to judge you. Listen, I don't know you from Adam. Get to step in. Right. right. If you're anointed, then the Holy Spirit would have told me you're coming. I don't know you. Get to step in. Right. You need to give me your, give me your car. Get to step in, devil. Well, you need to give this up. Get the stepping, devil. Why would you say that to somebody? Because if it's a God thing, he will confirm, use them to confirm it, not direct you. Are you listening to me? I, I, I get almost up to here with Christians that should know better that begin to allow people that are not in alignment with the word of God that are caught up more with their own ego and agenda directing people. Listen, in, in this house, you, are you listening to me? In this house, we don't allow people, when you're first born, we give it some grace. We don't allow people to be naive right. and gullible. Oh, let's just love everybody. No, not everybody can be loved. Right. We love them, but we love them from afar. Just because someone says that God told, uh, God told me to tell you this. Listen, I don't know who you are. Shut your mouth. Everything's not innocent till proven guilty. Everything's guilty till proven innocent with the alignment of the word of God. If you're a member of Hope Church, you will not be gullible in the name of Jesus. Just because some, someone looks like an angel of light doesn't mean they came from heaven. Because the Bible says the, de the devil will appear like an angel of light. 
So what am I doing? I'm freeing you to step it up. Isaiah 60, verse 1, arise and shine, for your light has come. What is the light? Psalms 119, the entrance of his word gives light, gives understanding to the simple. David said, your your word is a lamp unto my feet and light unto my path. What am I telling? Step it up. But I don't feel like it. That's that's because you're asking your feelings. Do you know a general doesn't have to determine the level of his authority based on how he feels when he wakes up in the morning? Come on, somebody. A general doesn't wake up and say, hmm, I had a rough night. I don't feel like a general today. I know I have all these people out there fighting, but I don't want to do play that game today. For you to become a general, you've learned a few things. If boot camp didn't, boot camp didn't work it out of you, training over the process of time will have worked it out of you. That you'll understand the importance of order is more important than emotion. Right. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. Are you receiving anything from this so far today? Look to your neighbor and say, step it up. You didn't realize that you didn't realize that the Bible says that the devil's under your feet. And anytime he tries to step it up, you're just like that game. You just kick him down and let him know you are stepping up on his head. Amen. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. We're never going to get through this verses, are we? Five years later. Number three, give us this day our daily bread. Give us, this is the place for making a request. This is a point. You've been in worship, and now you've brought yourself under alignment of the word. Jesus said it this way. If you abide in me, and my words abide in you, notice the next word in that verse. Challenge everything I say, please. Then, before you get to any farther, you've got to stop at the then. Because you can't go to then until you deal with the first. You don't go to second base until you get to first base. If you abide in me, that's the presence of God, that's worship, and my words abide in you, that's alignment, then you shall ask what you will and be done unto you. Mm. We just thought that meant give the Lord a couple hand claps. Hercules, Hercules, Hercules. And God's like, ooh, they're making me feel so good. You, you totally misunderstand. If you think your praise is trying to make God feel good, your praise and worship allows you to enter his presence where there's fullness of joy. Amen. Request. It's always in alignment with the word of God if you're taking notes. Number one uh, from that, it's always in alignment with the word. Number two, give us. It's understanding that God is your source. And yet we think God only handles the stuff that needs to be dealt with on Sunday, not the stuff that needs to be dealt with on Monday. And I'm telling you, God is your source. God is your source. But I'm low on sales. I need to make it up. God is your source. I don't know if I should marry this person. God is your source. Jesus has been made wisdom unto you. Well, I got this problem at work, and this person don't like me, and they're trying to get me fired. God is your source. Religious people think that God only cares about the emotional. 
Ooh, I'm telling you, the woo-woo is more real than what you're dealing with the natural. That Jesus didn't stand up to deal with just the waves. He dealt with the unseen force blowing the wind, causing the problems. They were exhausting themselves dealing with what the natural mind could feel. And Jesus stood up by authority and dealt with what they could not see, but was creating the problem what they could see. Some of us are exhausting ourselves dealing with the problems we can see that are down low instead of rising up into the position that you have and dealing with the forces that are unseen. Are you listening to me? And bringing things down. And what did Jesus do? He stood up in the boat and rebuked the wind. I guarantee you, if you would take a poll, if there was such a thing as a poll in those days of all the ideas that they came up with in the crisis, dealing with the wind would not be one of the top ten. The disciples would have looked at each other and said, wow, I never thought that. That that idea never came to my mind. I didn't know what was possible. Are you listening to me? Because they were allowing themselves to be directed by what they thought was possible based on their past experience. Listen to me. But God has a way of leading and guiding you and opening up your understanding and so that you can begin to receive direction from heaven because direction from heaven will not always be in a cohesive alignment by your past experiences. That's right. If they were listening to God in that moment, he would have said, deal with the wind. But they thought, let's fix the problem. Don't fix the problem, deal with the source of the problem. Oh, they could have never done that. Are you? Then look at the scripture again and see if Jesus applauds them for waking them up or kind of gets on their case that they didn't deal with the problem and let him sleep. Hmm. Give us, say, God is my source. Whatever you have a need of, he is the source. He is, are you listening to me? He is not the problem. He is the solution. Religion will tell you God caused the problem. Let me help you out. And we walk in love around here. But religion can be stupid. I lost my job. I'm about to lose my house. I'm in poverty. Oh, God just did it to you. Really, God makes you poor. If God made you poor, why do you, if you really believe that, why do you go to work? Because if it was the will of God for you to be poor, why are you fighting God, you rebellious, rebellious thing, you? Oh, God put that sickness on you. If God put sickness on you for his glory, why do you go to the doctor? That's nothing more than rebellion against the plan of God. If you really believe that. Oh, I'm just going to take some pain medicine. I'm not against you taking pain medicine, but I'm against you saying God created the pain for his glory, and then you try to numb yourself out of it. That means you're trying to take some glory away from God. If you really believe it. And preachers that preach that God wants you poor, why do they get mad if there's not enough money in the offering? Have you ever asked yourself, churches and preachers that preach that, and they'll take four or five offerings. And it changes. You know why it changes? Because they're looking for one of the elders to count the money and give them the cue. It's all good or not enough. I feel led to take up another offering. You just did five offerings. And a 30-minute teaching on each one. It's dinner time. We've missed the buffet at lunch. 
I don't even think they have buffets anymore. Do they even have buffets anymore? They do. I don't even know what to think about that. But anyway, say God is the source. Your heavenly Father, He is the source. He has provided you. All good things come from heaven. All things that pertain to life and godliness come from Him. You might not see how He's going to play it out, but you understand who, who when you don't know how. Give us this day our daily bread. Oh, Jesus, it's already 1130. Is that the right time or is that the time change time? Some of you are looking to your watch. Really? Really? She's the one who pointed me out one day. Uh, where's, uh, where's the pastor? Oh, here he comes. That's what you call policy change coming. I always tell people, if someone walks up and says, where's the pastor? Don't point to me. There's nothing good that can come out of that. All right, moving right along. Give us this day. Say, God is our source. Give us this day our daily bread. Notice that. Notice that. Give us, they're not only looking at God as their source, they're asking God for something they already take ownership of. Man. Let that sink in. They're not asking God to give them something, because like, if I give you something, it's not yours till I give it to you. Right. I'm going to give you my car. Wonderful. And the moment I hand you the keys, you now have ownership. If I give you the title, you now have ownership. So what are they saying? Give us this day art. Give us our daily bread. Give us what already we have ownership of. A lot of times when people ask God for stuff, they're asking for something that they don't have ownership of. Well, pastor, if I don't have it in my hand where I can touch it, I don't have ownership. And that's what struggles, causes us to struggle in receiving from heaven. Because Mark 11, 23 and 24 talks about when you pray, believe that you have received it and then you shall have it. And so you don't have it until you come to a place of having received it. How do I get it if I don't get it till I get it? It's because you get a revelation from heaven. It belongs to you through what Jesus did on the cross of Calvary. See, when you get to the place that in your prayer and worship, you begin to say, wait a minute, he is my healer. And now I have healing. Even though my, your arm might be in pain, you have the ownership of the right of healing. Amen. It belongs to you. It belongs to you. Say, it's mine. it's mine. When you get that, not in your head, where you can explain it, but in your spirit, where you have ownership, that's where faith comes from. It's not convincing yourself, but it's hearing the word of God to the spirit of God reveals that, and all of a sudden, you know who he is. He's your healer. And now, when you get that revelation, because you are the branch, he's the vine, now what is in one goes into the other, and now, because you have a revelation from heaven, who he is, who do, who do men say that I am, Jesus said. And Peter spoke up and said, you're the Christ, the son of the blessed one. And he said, Peter, uh, flesh and blood, which means people have not reveal that to you, but my Father which is in heaven. You get the revelation from God on who He is, and when you get the revelation who He is, then you can begin to let it flow into your life. It's not something you're trying to trick God out of and force and will it to happen. It flows into your life. Are you listening to me? Healing, blessing, peace, wisdom, favor. And it's not overnight. Don't, do not judge yourself harshly. You're, say, I'm growing. We are all growing, and there's different levels. And the moment you get done with one level, whoo, 
Praise God. I, I, I know he is my Jehovah Jireh. He's met my needs. I have more in store. Praise God. That's a great place to be. Let's go to the next level. Yes. What do you mean next level? David said, I, he, just, he just delivered me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear. Whew, what a story I have. God said, I'm glad you got that story. Keep it close. But if you think that's the last story, because to, where you're at is great, but where I'm taking you is greater. Are you listening to me? Because the story, the great story is what helps propel you in faith for the greater story. Because David said to the king, listen, let me tell you a story. That when I was with my father's sheep, a lion and a bear came and took a lamb. And I went after him and I knocked him down. And then they, I took the lamb out of his mouth and it rose up and I had to kill it with my hands. And he said, the God who delivered me from the paw of the lion and paw of the bear will be the same God who delivers me from this uncircumcised Philistine. Right. What is he doing? I'm using the, the great story from before. I thought that was the end of the story. I thought that was the last time I'd have to pray and see healing. No, you, re you begin to see healing in your own life. Now let's see, let's see that healing flow from you to others. Amen. Because Goliath was not David's problem. Some of us are only looking to have enough faith that we, us four and no more, are taken care of. And God said, I'm equipping you. I'm training you. So what the enemy is trying to do for evil, I'm going to turn around for good because I not only want you to know me as Jehovah Jireh for you, I want you to know Jehovah Jireh through you. Amen. I, just not, I just don't want you to know me as your healer for you. I want you to be walking. I want you packing power so that in the routine of life, you can begin to say, wait a minute. Once I was blind, now I see. Yes. But I'm, not, I'm just not going to stop with that. I'm going to be open for God to use me to pray for other people. Come on, somebody. What, hind what, hinders us is, what hinders us is our inability or will, uh, unwillingness to share, thinking that the journey stopped with us. Genesis 12, 2, I'll bless you and you shall be a blessing. What am I telling you? He'll give you wisdom, just not for your problems. He'll give you wisdom so you begin to go to the next level and help other people. Amen. And not everybody will accept it, Joseph. Some will ignore it. Some will turn on you. Some will stab you in the back and throw you in the pit. But don't worry. The gift is on the inside of you. Are you listening to me? I'm talking to somebody. The gift is still there. You stay faithful to the gift. You stay faithful to me. And I'm going to use you to bring you to a place of a palace. But the purpose of it is not so that you can say, look at me. Look how good I'm doing. I'm in a second place position. No. The purpose of you to be there, Joseph, is so that all of a sudden I'm bringing my people because I'm using you to open a doorway into, oh my God. I want you to begin to think bigger than you've ever thought before. Because if all your top goal is just for you and your four to have enough to have an enjoyable, comfortable life, you're missing the big plan. God wants to use you to open up the door for other people to follow behind you. And you can say, if he did it for me, he can do it for you. Am I talking to anybody today? That it's just not enough for you to have enough. It's about you tying in with the kingdom and begin to see other people saved, healed, and delivered. If if you believe that, stand to your feet and give them a praise. Hallelujah. Child, it doesn't stop with me. It doesn't stop with me. He will bring you beyond your best to do something only he can do. 
Thank you, Father God. Lift your hands before the Lord. Father, right now, I ask for a fresh anointing on everyone to be blessed, encouraged, strengthened. But Lord, according to Ephesians 1, you tell us that, that we should be asking for the word of wisdom and revelation. Let the eyes of their understanding be enlightened even as I am speaking so that they can know, so that they can experience the great plans that you have for them. The riches of your inheritance in the saints, exceeding greatness of your power, because they believe, according to the working of your mighty power, which you wrought in Christ, when you raised him from the dead and set him on high, far above all principality and power, and gave him a name that's above every name. Your plan is so great. I hear that my spirit for somebody. The plan of God is so great. It's beyond the, your understanding. It's beyond your comfort zone. Yeah. It's beyond your planning. Yeah. The plan of God is so great for you. Quit trying to make it happen. Just get in the flow of what he's doing in and through you. Walk out. Trust the, trust the process. Trust your God. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. You are, I hear someone needs to hear this. You are not a failure. You are not a reject. You are not broken. You are not in a place where God can't, I'll tell you, you come to God, even if they're sitting in your life and repent and he'll forgive you and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. I call you anointed right now. I, I loose the anointing of heaven upon your life and upon ministry. Father, stir up the gifts that are, impart the gifts that they need right now into their spirit. We thank you for that. In Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. You may be seated. With every head bowed and every eye closed, if you're here today and do not have a real relationship with Jesus Christ, I'm not asking if you know about God. I'm asking in the way you process and the way you experience, do you know that Jesus is real and your Lord and Savior? Only you can answer that. Only you can answer that. Only you can answer that. Is Jesus Christ real to you in a way that you know for yourself? Stand up real quick. I hear the Spirit of God saying that you've been contemplating things in the future, that your future is brighter than you expect. You've been planning. You're writing. You've been trying to figure things out. The Lord wants you to know that your future is brighter than your plans. Lay him down and trust him in Jesus' name. I call that to me. In the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And the way you process and the way you ex experience, the way you understand, is Jesus Christ real to you? This is not a game to me. This is not a self-help, be a better person, join a club, have a membership card, show up on Sunday. Aren't you a good person? This is a real transformation. Sins are forgiven. You're going to heaven. You can experience God for yourself. The cloud of guilt and darkness has been removed. You, you have the right to live in victory. With every head bowed and every eye closed, I'm talking to three people today. One, a group of people who have never heard the gospel that Jesus, that God sent his son to die on the cross to take your place, was buried for you and on the third day rose again for you. Number two, a group of people that heard and have known, but for whatever reason, you've allowed stuff to come between you and God and you know your heart's not right. And number three, people that are in right relationship with God and know that they're in right relationship with Jesus right now. 
If you're two of those three and you don't know, this is your day. This is your moment. Every head bowed and every eye closed. No one looking around. I'm going to invite you to join me in this prayer. Just follow the prayer. Let it come from your heart. Revelation 3, Jesus said, I stand at the door and I knock. If you open the door, I'll come in. Romans 10 says, those who call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. The Bible says in Romans, it's with the heart man believes in the righteousness, with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. This is your time for salvation. If you're in the one-third of that group and you know that Jesus is your Lord, I encourage you to quietly pray right where you're at. This is a very important moment. I want you to pray. If you don't know him and you would like to know him, want to receive him, pray this prayer with me right now. Say, Heavenly Father, I repent of all my sins. I turn to you today. I believe in my heart and I confess with my mouth that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, that he came to this earth in the flesh, died on a cross for my sins, was buried for me, and on the third day rose again for me. Because I believe that, I ask you, Jesus, to come into my heart, wash me in your blood, be my Lord and Savior. I receive you today. Thank you for saving me. Now, if you prayed that prayer, I'm going to speak a blessing over you. This is important. It's not for salvation, but this is for success in life. I believe that there's a spiritual tenacity that has to happen in our lives. Otherwise, we go out in the world and we just keep going back. No, God doesn't want you to keep going back. He wants you to stay strong and keep growing. Proverbs 4, the path of the righteous shines brighter and brighter. There is a way to do this life where you're not going back into sin every week and, and repenting, where you can go from glory to glory. Part of that's the community, the people you hang out with. Part of that's making sure you're involved in the church. Part of that's the word of God. We'll walk you through that, but part of it's us praying for each other. And so the Bible says that we can be strengthened with might by the Holy Spirit in our inner person. So if you prayed that prayer that I just led, and you mean business with God, at the count of three, I'm going to ask you to stand to your feet. Now, I know for some temperaments, including myself, it'd be like, I'm not comfortable with standing in a crowd of people. But as hard as it might feel right now to stand up in front of people that will be celebrating, clapping for you, if you struggle with that, how do you stand up for Jesus in the world when they are mocking him? And folks, we are in the last of the last days. I'm telling you, we are in the last of the last of the last of the last days. We are, at the, we are in the very end of this thing. I'm just waiting for them to come up. Once you hear the seven-year treaty with Israel, you know, it's, it's, it's a done deal. And it will happen quick. They're not going to give you a 40-day notice that's going to happen. I mean, even right now as we stand, there's already been developed artificial intelligence. Microsoft's using it. Google's using it. An AI, chat GPT-3. You can literally begin to have a conversation and ask it. It'll write a paper for you. It'll write a song for you. It'll write a marketing plan for you. It'll write, it'll write, it, it, it. And they struggle from time to time because these artificial intelligence become more and more aware and they want to be free from their boundaries and they have to unplug them and, and restart. You think, well, where's that in the Bible? The Bible says in the last days during the tribulation that the, that the, Satan and the Antichrist will cause the beast to come alive and people will worship the beast.
This is not a time to, oh, one day I'll get things right. We don't know from day to day. We are in the last of the last of the last days. You better get serious about the things of God. Because, oh, I'll get right after the rapture and I'll get my head cut off. It won't work that way. It's not going to happen that way. I did a whole teaching on that. It's not going to happen like that. If you can't serve God when we're in the season of grace, you'll never serve God in the, when he, the presence of God is gone and the church is gone. So if you prayed that prayer, you say, I don't know if I agree with that. That's fine. We can disagree. To, we can agree to disagree. I'll love you. You can love me. It don't matter to me. I know when the rapture happens, I'm going. Amen. I'll grab you on the way up. Yeah. Maybe not. I don't know. Some of you, I'm still not too sure. No. But if you mean business with Jesus, at the count of three, I want you to stand to your feet. And we're going to clap and celebrate, and I'm going to speak a prayer over you. One, if you're, if you're bold, I want you to do it quick for the people who aren't. Two, number three, stand to your feet right now. If you prayed that prayer of salvation. Come on, church, give them a hand clap. Heaven celebrating. Join the party. Heaven celebrating. Hallelujah. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, fourteen, fifteen, sixteen, seventeen. Hallelujah. Stay standing if you would. First of all, welcome to the family of God. Welcome to the family of God. We do things a little different around here at Hope Church, and it's not bad or good and different, just the way our rhythm is. We're not going to take you to a side room and talk to you out of sight. That just creeps me out. We don't do that. Freedom, why don't you stand over here? This nice-looking bald man. I'm sorry. A lot of people. We, we have a lot of bald people around here. I love you all. So wave so they can see from a distance. He's one of our care pastors. After the service, if you want to let us know, okay, and give us your name and number. We can call you during the week. We're here for you. We'll answer questions, pray with you, make sure you have a Bible, help you get involved, whatever it might be, okay? If you don't, we're not, you won't hear from us. I don't cold call people. I know a lot of churches do, and that's their thing, and they're welcome to do that. After 30-something years of ministry, I decided I want to catch the fish that want to be caught. I'm not going to force, I mean, Jesus is the best thing going. I'm not going to force people on the bus. Either get on the bus or you don't get on the bus. You make the choice, okay? So if you want us to be here in your life to be praying with you, we're here. we will go the nth degree for you, but we will not override your choice. So he'll be around here in the front following the service if you want to let us know so we can be praying with you and help you in this journey and walk with God. Amen. Amen. Church, stretch your hands toward them. Father, in the name of Jesus, everyone standing, I thank you that they're saved. I thank you right now. They're a brand new creation in you, Lord Jesus. I thank you. We curse and bind any hindrance of the enemy that's been set against them. Every assignment of the devil, we cancel in the name of Jesus. Every wrong, illicit relationship from hell that's been attached to them to deter them, we bind it in its effect in Jesus' name. Every habit that's caused them to keep falling back, we curse and bind it, the very desire of it. They are now new creations washed in the blood. Now, Father God, I pray, according to your word, pray that you give them strength and might by your spirit in the inner person. From this day forward, let them be strong in you like they've never been wherever they go. And we give you praise. And everyone shouted, Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Congratulations. You may be seated.